When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. It felt very cathartic. Um, Because, of course, it's been a huge part of my life. It's been an enormous part of my life. Being cast as Loki changed the course of my life. That moment is a fork in the road. I can't go back there, and I don't particularly want to, but it just is... uh, It has been very meaningful, and to get to that point of playing that scene... For Tom Hiddleston, the scene in Disney Plus's Loki where he sees his life play out was tremendously meaningful. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, Tom Hiddleston discusses both of his recent TV series and Emmy contention, Loki and Apple TV Plus's The Essex Serpent. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. While most actors would be pleased to be part of one excellent series in a year, Tom Hiddleston has the unique privilege of starring in two. First up was Loki, the smash Marvel property that continued the adventures of the MCU's most popular villain, or a variant thereof, that hit Disney Plus last June. And this May, we'll see the premiere of Apple TV Plus's limited series The Essex Serpent, an adaptation of the acclaimed 2016 Sarah Perry novel set in 1893 in a small village plagued by rumors of a mythical beast. Hitting Apple TV Plus on May 13, The Essex Serpent is a six-part limited series adapted by Anna Simon and directed by Clio Bernard. Claire Dane stars as Cora Seaborn, a widow who moves with her son to a small village that may be haunted by this legendary beast. Hiddleston plays the town vicar, Reverend Will Ransom, who clashes with Cora over their differing beliefs. You let them accuse me. You said nothing. I'm their pastor. So you can't be my friend and a man of God. I can't think clearly when I'm around you. I won't be blamed for your weakness. Love is not a weakness. I think the Essex Serpent has sunk its claws into you, too. It feels like a new sort of role for Hiddleston, who plays a husband and father, a man of faith looking to protect and unite his community, rather than an agent of chaos. The actor also jumped at the chance to work with Danes, who made an impact on him at a young age in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Hiddleston says he's had good luck with co-stars and chemistry, and that it sometimes comes from going through a new experience together, like the time he was cast in Thor or falling off horses during training. Variety's Janelle Riley recently spoke to Hiddleston about both shows, having a milestone birthday during the pandemic, and more. He also took part in a quiz where he had to guess between the characters of Shakespeare and Marvel. Janelle began by having a little fun with Tom. So actually, here's the thing. I printed out questions for today, and then I realized that they were actually from my last interview with someone else. Uh. But the good news is it was <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Okay. Yes, so would you be okay if I just asked all the questions I was going to ask him? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. So my first <laughs> question not? is, why didn't you cast Tom Hiddleston in Belfast? <laughs> I don't well, um, know. Well, Ken, what do you think? Well, Tom, um, uh, oh, I don't know. Sweet. There's no part for me in Belfast, surely. There's he could no. have been the dad. 
No, but Jamie's perfect. He's sure. no, he's from the area. It's he's a local boy. Um, no, nothing. There's nothing for me to do there. It was a perfect film. Um, who could I have played? No one. I could have played maybe some sort of ruffian in the in the gang. Maybe but, you could have uh, played the young boy. You can pull uh, that off. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> wasn't he great? He was wasn't he wonderful. Did you? I'm sure you did. But did you catch he was reading Thor comics? Yes. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Okay. That's like the big. Is that one of the moments when it's in color? No, it's not quite. No, no. But yeah. I thought I was very clever until I realized everyone caught that. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 That's really sweet. That it's very real. I think. Yeah. It's a very real yeah, memory that he has. Movie. Yeah. Um, I, I loved actually, it. I actually do have a question that applies to both of you. Okay. Because we were talking about how he's the first person to be nominated in like seven different categories at the Oscars. That's right. And you both are Record known. breaker. Yeah. And you guys can sing and act and do all sorts of things. <laughs> so what are you bad at? So many things to know. No. Maths, um, uh, um, cricket, um, <laughs> painting drawing um, no see you're not remember you won the drawing contest when you the, all had to draw your characters so i knew you would try uh, and claim that okay. and you literally cannot <laughs> okay, say that yeah. yep it's loads of stuff i'm bad at <laughs> so many things isn't life is a weird um do you do you ever think that when you're young it you kind of are drawn you're drawn to the things. You're, it's hard to keep doing the things that don't come naturally, maybe. Oh, yeah. I thought, like, it's, this sounds terrible, but writing always came easy to me. Right. And it's hard now, and it yeah. scares me. Yeah, that's Like, what if I lose that? Yeah. It's, you find it hard to write now? Harder. You mean yeah. the the process of the flow or, or just yeah. inspiration? Or? And, like, jokes used to come to me like that. I mean, maybe not good ones, but they, they came. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, do you ever worry with that with acting? I think there's something really good about, they say like there's something very beneficial to the mind about learning lines and keeping, it keeps the mind, the neuroplasticity stretchy and it keeps you, um, keeps your mind young. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I hope to be one of those actors who's, um, it keeps you playful, I think. And you keep having to learn things, skills, stories, people. It makes you pay attention, which is good. I actually wondered about that because obviously we're coming out of two very strange years with the pandemic, during which you also turned 40. Yes. Which is, is yes. crazy. Yes, I did. And so, <laughs> and so see, you see, you, you say it sort of sadly, but I- No, no, it was great. I loved it. It was yeah. great, actually. Yeah. It was great. It, it felt very meaningful. It still does. Um, being in your 40s is different from being in your 30s, isn't it? And your 20s. Yeah, the passing of time. Sound in the hourglass. More in the bottom than at the top. Who knows? Um, but it's a midpoint, isn't mm -hmm. it? I remember. I remember thinking, I'll be. I'll count myself fortunate if I get another forty, and that's definitely a. It crystallizes things in your mind, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I'm 27. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> but they've been a good forty as well. You know, I had a. I had a been. I've been so lucky, and you know. It's been a, it's been certainly been an adventure. Like, it, yeah, it made me as reflective as I predicted it would make me. Actually, yeah, um, it is a hugely reflective time, and I yeah. always think for artists, it's it's such an interesting time. And then especially add the pandemic on top of that, and you're probably doing all this reflecting. Does it did it change the way that you look at the roles you want to choose, the ones you want to do, or maybe that had happened before that? 
Hmm, good question. Um, only insofar as I'm just really aware of the value of time. I think I always have been, but if you, I would, I suppose it's. I, I definitely know that I. My preference, if I, if I had one, would be to go. To, to make choices which would allow me to go deeply into things. Depth is something that's very, um, I'm feel, feel drawn to as an explore an idea really deeply as opposed to, I mean, I, maybe everyone would prefer that prefer depth to shallowness in some way. So maybe it's a strange metaphor, but maybe there was a time when you were, I, when I was, I think young, when I was younger, it was easy to, uh, to go, yeah, I'll try this. Yeah, you know, I'll give it a go. Like, and you kind of give things a go because you don't want to look back and feel like you missed an opportunity. You know, you're more inclined to new experiences. Although I'm still inclined to new experiences, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't worked out how I think about it. Really. <laughs> um, but I'm definitely more thoughtful about what I choose to do for sure. And I and I suppose the last couple of things have been very deliberate choices to go to commit to these quite big projects and long projects and go into them very deeply and really commit to them. And that be the thing that I do for six months or eight months. I mean, Loki was supposed to be like, <laughs> not two years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that being a two big two year job. So uh, I ask because we're here to talk about the Essex serpent, obviously, yeah, by yeah. the way, as someone with a lisp, the Essex serpent feels like an attack on me. <laughs> I'm so I sorry. <laughs> and then I was trying to, yeah. last night I was trying to say it by Sarah Perry. By the Essex Serpent by Sarah Perry. Yeah. Say that quickly five times. Peas and carrots, peas and carrots. Yeah. Um, but I, you've played so many roles and yet I don't know if I've seen a role like Will Ransom before. For, for starters, you're a father. Yeah, I know. For, yeah, yeah, first father, yeah. You're a vicar. Yep. Um, a man of faith who, but is also like really trying to help people. Trying yes. to keep things together yes. instead of trying to tear them apart. Yes, like yes, yeah, like other people. Other people. <laughs> yeah, I would. I guess maybe that's. I just was really drawn to it. I was drawn to him. I was drawn to. He's so finely drawn by Sarah Perry and by Anna Simon, um, in the screenplays, and and he seems to be a very. He seems to be kind of similar to a literary archetype. Very. Um, grounded, very solid, very rational, a container for other people's anxieties, someone that people lean on and depend on. Um, but of course, he doesn't have all the answers and and there are things he hasn't folded into his theology and his uh, worldview. And actually, I found that really interesting is... is um, as someone who seems like he has it all figured out, um, you know, the serpent, the Essex serpent in his mind is, is, uh, some hidden truth that he hasn't integrated into his way of seeing the world. Um, and that seemed like a really interesting thing to explore, I suppose. I mean, it's such a beautiful story and yeah. it has all these big themes. There's science, faith, feminism, yeah. really, with yeah. Claire as character. Yes. It is literally a show that doesn't lend itself to a 20-second elevator pitch. And right. yet, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, okay. because this is actually seconds. airing before anyone has seen it. Yes. Yeah. If you if you could, Wait, I'm going to time this. No, I won't really do that. We can do. Do you want me to time right, it? Let's see. I got it right here. Have you got it? Okay, give me and a countdown. 
Go. The Blackwater Estuary on the easternmost east coast of England. A teenage girl has gone missing. Something is bumping into the fishing boats. Is there something beneath the surface of the water? A winged dragon from folklore come back to uh, haunt you. Um, the monster that you're scared of when the middle of the night lies to you. A widow uh, in search of meaning. A vicar who thinks he has it figured out. A story of passion and intrigue and mystery. Uh, full of gothic um, opacity and uh, a, a debate between faith and reason. What do you think that came in at? I think it was about 25. <laughs> it was 33. <laughs> oh, no. And now I, overst- I was good at the beginning and then I... <laughs> no, but that was great. I would watch it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I already have, so I'm yeah. cheating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, I was talking about how you're always part of these amazing ensembles, whether it's the Marvel movies or, you know, Night Manager or Muppets, of course. Of course. Um, your the Muppets. main scene partner here is Claire Danes, yeah. who is so fantastic and... It, re- it the, the the show it's about a lot of things, but it hinges so much on your chemistry. And I'm always curious, like, did you know each other beforehand, or is no, it not not so not at all, me? really. Yeah. Um, there's a connection with uh, there is a lo- lovely connection through Josie Rourke, um, the director, um, who is and has is an old friend of her husband's. Um, so that was a nice connection to make, but we hadn't really ever, yeah, we hadn't really met and and interacted at all. So, um, but it was really quick and easy, actually. She's so bright in every way, so intelligent and playful and and um, engaged and fun and spirited and, and committed. I, she's such a committed actor. Um, and she's been doing it for so long and she's had so many different experiences and she's a very strong, I think a very strong person and, has a very bright spirit and it's got lots of range. And I think all the range is in her performance as Cora. Um, but we, we did, <laughs> I, I, whenever I think of my relationship with Claire on the set, it was always, I became a cliche of an Englishman in terms of trying to advertise that better weather was to come. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> every day I would say, it's Claire, I know it's cold today and it's windy and it's wet, but believe me, when the sun comes out, it's going to be really beautiful. And the sun would never come out. And then occasionally it would come out and I would try and sort of, I'd say, look at this, look where we are. Isn't it magical? And she was like, keep trying, Tom. <laughs> um, but uh, She's married to a Brit. She knows. She gets it. She, she understands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there was a kind of, um, we were thrown together in this, phase of the pandemic i'm not quite sure what the situation was in the states or in or here where we are in in california but there was a, a third winter lockdown and it started in started around christmas time and I, I think it finished in june and it was it felt like the hardest one i think mm. because it was winter and it was january and it was cold and it was happening again and um we started prepping in late January, early February. And we went and started filming in Essex in March. And there was some freedom or or there felt like there was some release in being outside. It was cold, it was wet, it was windy, but we were outside. The science would tell you that there was a very low chance of, of the transmissibility of the virus. And, and, um, and so in, in a way we kind of formed this, this bubble of of wind and mud and Essex and being on the coast and kind of it was nice. It was a a nice bubble to be in. I could think of worse places to be. 
I just always think it's so strange to like put two virtually strangers yeah. together and then say, okay, have chemistry. Yeah. And what do you do if you don't? I mean, I guess that's where acting comes in. Right. Yeah. And I've never, I very rarely, I mean, I can't think of a time when I have felt that. But we did somehow find um, find that we just, we kind of just understood each other. It was really nice. It was really, um, it was really playful. It was really fun. Um, and, and maybe it's the, sometimes you have to be in an experience together, which is new. And so the newness of the experience is what actually creates the chemistry because no one else is is learning this new thing or going through it with you. So, I mean, I remember when Chris Hemsworth and I met for the first time, we were just like at the beginning of this adventure, kind of like sitting next to each other on a roller coaster and not knowing where the ride was going. And the fact that it was just the two of us on the ride, I kind of created something between us. And when I met Benedict Cumberbatch for the first time, we were training for like, to, to ride as cavalry officers and war horse and and horses are so honest and <laughs> they don't care who's riding them really but so but so we fell off and you know and learned wait to, you fell off the horses yeah well, well i there was a i fell off once when i was oh i was on a runaway once a, a horse got scared and ran back to the stables and it was quite so you just you make mis- you know when you're learning something new and I, it was a real thing of like the two of us got to know each other because we were doing this new thing together. And I, I think Essex and um, the physical kind of context of, of the landscape and the tide coming in and going out and falling over in the mud and being caught in these extraordinary winds and um, these genuinely breathtaking skies, the sunsets and, and just trying to get through it and, and communicate the material and it kind of created a, a, a bond on me, I suppose. Um, that was really nice. You're doing that thing again, where you use a word that I'm not sure I understand <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or that I probably know. And I've just missed, mis, mis, I learned from you. I've been mispronouncing several things. <laughs> Sorry. Bon ami. Bon ami. Yeah. Bon ami, I think is a French word, I guess. Um, meaning a good humor. Oh, okay. I have been mispronouncing it. All right. Bon, how would you pronounce it? Bon am I. Bon am I, yeah. You want to laugh at me so bad (laughs) right now. You're too polite to. I appreciate it. Bon ami, bon ami. I don't know how you'd say it with a French person, but, you know, it's like a a lightness of, I don't know, a lightness of spirit, maybe. A bon ami. But maybe it's something that you share, right? I've already forgotten. You taught me how to say Tom's. No, I just mispronounced it, didn't I? Thames. It's, yes. been, it's been like 12 yes, hours so, I've already so. forgotten. Yes, it's a weird one. Ah, uh, forgive me. I went Thames. to an American No, 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 no. <laughs> please, don't. come on. It's it's a, it's a river. It's it's in London. And, you know, why should you know how? You know, English is confusing. There are silent letters in it. And, you know, um, yes, Thames. 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 It should be almost, how would you spell Thames? T-E-M-M-S. There you go. All right. Can you spell? Speak to somebody at the dictionary okay, okay. about that. Yeah. There is a place called Tame as well, which is confusing. Really? I wonder, I'm in just Oxfordshire, like that's what I was doing yeah. all along. Maybe the Thames goes through Tame. It oh, must, no. There must be some relationship. No, that's too there. much for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I the Thames, the River Thames, just so anyone listening, we're talking about the River Thames in London. Um, I, just, I just wonder how often I have been mispronouncing words my entire life and just never had anyone intelligent enough to say it correctly. But I mispronounce words all the time. Mm, do you though? Yeah. yeah. 
I remember that she was once I um, mispronounced a word in English class once at school. I felt so embarrassed because I knew what it meant and I just never said it out loud. I can't remember what it was. Uh, I actually think anyway. you might have mispronounced Thanos the other day. Did I? You, you, it was, or maybe it just came out. Did I say Thanos? No, it was like it had like a strong A. Like like Thanos? Yeah. Than- Maybe I was trying, because I would say Thanos. Right. But then I know that in the States, people say Thanos. So maybe I was trying to do that. Or I probably completely misheard, which is possible. You know, it comes from the Greek for death, which is Thanatos. I didn't know that, but of course you do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, than- Thanatos. It's uh is death in Greek, ancient Greek. And I you're think. trying to tell me you're not well read. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've read some books once. Yeah. Um, I was thinking because I'm just such, I'm so in awe of Claire Danes. And you've obviously worked with just this cast. Your, your whole cast is amazing. Yeah. But she you, is amazing. She's, um, yeah. she's like otherworldly. Yeah. And, she, and, she's got, and she's got this amazing facility. Um, she's so practiced, but she's so spontaneous as well it's like as i say she's been doing it for so long and um is so brilliant at it it's so uh it's has it's so careful and so rigorous but really really free and truthful um yeah i'm just curious if for some reason people have been asking me a lot lately if i ever get nervous Mm. going on stage and i'm like like every single time. Yeah. And I always wonder for actors, like, do you, with all the people you've worked with, do you ever have those moments where you're like, oh my God, I'm acting opposite Claire Danes or Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. The first time I was working with Anthony Hopkins, it was that scene in Thor where um, Loki finds out he's adopted and it's a father and son in a very emotional conversation. Um, And I was completely in awe. And, uh, you know, I remember seeing Claire in, in Romeo and Juliet and I was a young man. I was young. I was still at school, I think. And, um, it's such, it made such a profound impact on the, on, on the culture. It was just, it it still is kind of like a seminal definitive interpretation of that text. I've never seen it. Have you never seen it? This has been a thing lately because I just interviewed Harold Harold Perrineau who's in it. And it's just, it's, I think that when I was young, I was like, you can't put modern music to Shakespeare. How Uh, dare you? And now the irony being that I've actually written plays yes, that, yes, like, yes, that, yes. you know, that had crunking in Jane, yeah. Jane Austen. Um, and so, so I literally made a vow like a week ago that I would go back and watch it. It's amazing. Yeah. And I you think were right it, about heat. It's so still, to... it's still, it still has enormous power, that film. Um, partly because of the two perform the two central performances. Um, I mean, of course, in no small part, the, they are so free and so young and so, um, passionate and and so open and i think and their commitment to the text is so brilliant so full um yeah it's a it's definitely a it's an it's a sort of iconic 90s film i think um i promise i will watch it within two weeks well, you, if you get to talk to Claire, then you can ask her about it. That's that, right. You know, I got to watch it before next week. Actually, right? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's yeah. It's uh, I remember. So that was my. I know there was my so-called life before that, but I I didn't wasn't as aware of it as as you know. Romeo and Juliet was a was a big one for me, and and she's also done. I'm um, of course that was 
she'd be sitting next to me going, Tom, don't talk about the work from 20 years ago. She's done so much. She has done so much work um, in the intervening years and so many different kinds of things. And yeah, there are, I try to, um, I always just try to be respectful of somebody and whoever I'm working with, their process. And you try to create a, of way of communicating and a rapport and and homeland of course as well which is just oh you know God. yeah how many emmys is she, she's won for the for homeland she's won like three or something yeah at, at least uh, she was yeah. a producer too yeah. yeah um which is you know made a made a profound impact on television i think and and the form of television it was such a huge series and she was so good in it so in terms of sort of yeah i maybe i don't know stuff Starstruck is a funny one. It's sort of like uh, I get starstruck when I meet tennis players. Yeah, you're a big tennis. Yeah, person. well, I just I just find elite tennis players extraordinary. I don't know quite why, but I think they have to be so skillful, and there's something so uh, solitary about about playing tennis at that level. But it's also very beautiful to watch, and so the people who are the best at it. I just find it really like pleasing. I find it really pleasing to watch. Anyway, it's got more intense as I've got older. After the break, more from Tom Hiddleston. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. We're chatting with Loki and the Essex Serpent star Tom Hiddleston. As we return to Janelle Riley's conversation with Hiddleston, the star had just been talking about his love of tennis. Speaking of tennis, I was thinking about how you've done everything from like big budget spectacles to, uh, you know, something like Essex Serpent, which which actually is is epic in many ways, but also mm. very intimate and very internal. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, is it harder for you to act in those like really stark dramatic scenes or when you're acting opposite a tennis ball? I think it's the same, isn't it? You've got, really? you've got to, well, you've got to try to be truthful. You've got to try, but, and so to sort of break that down, try to represent the truth of that character in that moment. Um, and there's always a leap of imagination. Tennis is a really good analogy and I've used it before, I think, but you're trying to play a rally with the person on the other side of the net um, and the reason I think tennis is a good analogy is because the court is so clearly delineated, right? Mm. The white lines are delineated. You've got to get the ball in, in the, in the court, but you can choose what spin you put on the ball and you can choose where to put it within the parameters. And so maybe the script is uh, the parameters and the blocking is, uh, or the choreography or something. And then it really, the magic is in the rally between you and that's when it's this this um work is at its most thrilling for me is is in the tennis mat is in the, the the tennis rally with your opposite partner and and the tennis i suppose with claire was really great because it was just felt very free we felt like we we knew kind of what the story was but once clio barnard calls action it's you try to play with each other um and you know return serve and it was really enjoyable yeah 
I much prefer the tennis metaphor to in America, everything is baseball. I see, I and see. And I think, yeah. I think tennis well, I suppose, is a way better I, I suppose it's because it's, it's truly interactive. And I genuinely find the joy, the best acting I've ever done, if I've ever done any good acting, is always about, because of the person I'm opposite. I truly believe that. And the generosity of another actor, an actor like Claire, who is prepared and, and committed to the game of the imagined world that you're in. And um, that's, when I, that's when it's magical because, because it's like, you know, as actors, the greatest respect you can pay to another actor is to come prepared and, and so that you know the parameters and then, and then you can really play. Um, it's much less fun if you're not playing tennis and you're kind of playing tennis against a wall. <laughs> you sort of, the wall isn't as uh, spontaneous or. And you mean a literal wall, not like an actor that feels. Like I mean, a wall. Uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've um, seen some of those performances. I suppose, in a way, in a way, in a way when you're acting opposite, um, if you're having to imagine something in your external reality that isn't there. That is almost like you're having to you're having to imagine how how the other element is is returning the shot, as it were, is returning the ball. Um, so there's a sort of game of anticipation that you're playing with yourself. Yeah, I've ex- overextended this too much. <laughs> you know, if people talk about dancing, it's much better. You know, having a good dance partner. Again, I'm just glad you didn't Excuse go me. to baseball. Okay. I appreciate <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Um, so uh, even though this series feels more timely than ever, yeah. like kind of crazy timely, yeah. um, in, even though it's set in, is it 1893? 1893, correct. Um, I feel correct. like I just won a quiz. You did. <laughs> yeah. um, I, my brain actually retained <laughs> some information. Um how do you even go about preparing to play, you know, a man of the cloth, yeah. 1893? Again, I feel like this is this is really new territory for you. And how much, if at all, was the book a resource? Huge. I love it. I mean, I if there's a book, it's like a gift. Because um, certainly the books that I have been, the, the books that have been adapted into production, which I've been in, the books are full of interiority. And they're full of of depth and the inner life of characters, what characters are thinking. So they give you all your subtext. They give you all this inner life that you can kind of attach to. And it may be that the uh, interior motivations don't come out in scenes, but you know what a character's thinking or, or the conflict a character's going through. And I felt exactly like that. Um, I'm trying to think of another example. The night manager was a really, a really obvious example um, and Sarah Perry's novel of the Essex Serpent was the same. Um, she gets inside the head of all the characters of, of Cora, Seaborn, and and Will Ransom, and the children as well, and Naomi, um, and and Frankie, and Joe, uh, and Stella, Will's wife. Um, and so I found her specific depiction of Will's faith really helpful that um he really he was really connected to the earth he 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 um the, clio once said you know he she that there was a love he had a great love of nature and his faith or god for him was expressed in 
in the majesty and beauty and delicacy of the natural world, of the trees and the earth and the ocean and the water and, you know, um, that he loved being out in nature, that, that it was he was much more, um, his faith was more natural and grounded than anything high church. And uh, that he was also a progressive intellectual, that he would have read Darwin and Lyle and he would have read, he was curious about, the natural sciences and didn't feel didn't feel his christian faith was threatened by that and that uh, god for will ransom was really an expression of of love mm. um and um i found that very moving and it actually allowed me to think about this thing i think the story is really about is is um trying to investigate at great depth where we derive meaning in our lives and playing a, a, a man, a, playing a vicar, a reverend, a parson, a pastor, maybe really consider that. And, and, um, but did a lot of thinking and reading about, um, there are some quite ancient ideas in the story about guilt and sin and shame and, Sarah Perry has spoken very eloquently about how she grew up and, and her own relationship to her own faith and um, and how it had to change because she, there were certain things she just didn't, she couldn't believe were worthy of shame. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's quite revolutionary in a way, what she's doing. Um, and I, these are quite big themes. Like the, 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 there's a great essay about, um, so I read eight years ago, I found somewhere and just some sort of some, some disappearing down some rabbit hole, but about, about guilt in the, in the modern world and how it's, it's um, easy for any of us to feel guilty about anything, anytime, because we're so aware of, of, um, of the footprint of humanity on the planet. And, and there are so many systems which are out of date and, or have become fragmented and broken and, and, you feel complicit in all these systems and, and, um, but the article was kind of about, uh, how do you talk about guilt without a, can you talk about guilt without a system of, of kind of reparation and forgiveness? How do you atone for your, for your quote unquote sin? Um, and this idea of, of, you know, some conception of sin and its opposite, I suppose, and its opposites virtue goodness and where do you how do you locate that in any in your in the in the way you think about the world um and i i do think the essex serpent is about all these things it's mm -hmm. about you know of, co of course there's the image of the serpent i think sarah perry's chosen it very carefully of course there's a there's a there's a really immediate mystery to to this to the series there's something in the water is there something in the water um, something is bumping into the fishing boats. A teenage girl's gone missing, but a serpent is also. It was a serpent that tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was, um, you know, uh, a serpent is a slippery, mercurial um, temptation. And if it's if it's beneath the surface of the water, is that some metaphor for something that lies beneath the surface of our consciousness? Sorry if I'm rambling, but I, I genuinely find <laughs> well, again, it Well, again, I always say, everyone's here to hear me talk. 
Okay. So you really okay. shouldn't ramble. <laughs> but yeah, I, a metaphor for the unconscious, I suppose. Um, what lies? What lies underneath the surface? It's interesting though because it it does ask big questions in a very entertaining way. But I feel like. Everything you do, I feel like even Loki asks these questions. And again, maybe it was, you know, pandemic viewing where it's like, you know, what paths we could have taken. Yeah. Like there could be an alligator me somewhere. That could be. (laughs) But it's more about like, I think about like all the choices in my life, good and bad. Yeah. That yeah. that have have brought me here, mm. and um, you know, it's it's it, actually is there like is there a variant of you who didn't go into acting, and what are they doing? I right wonder. Now? I wonder. <laughs> I kept asking that. I don't know. Maybe he would have been a <laughs> a teacher or an academic or something. I don't know. Um, I've actually thought about that question a lot. Yeah, I've really... I thought about it nonstop watching the show. Did you? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Admittedly, I mostly wanted to follow Tour de France Loki. Right. I want to know what that guy's story is. <laughs> yeah, me too. And they showed me, I was like, wow. That's I, hope, real... I hope his dad's finally proud of him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he got the jersey. Um, yeah, I don't, I have to always think, I mean, I, I, in part, I think, wondering about the other things I might have done if I hadn't been an actor probably feeds itself into the work. Um, you know, even um, even Will Ransom at one point, and it's, I think this is a direct quote from the book. He's he there. He's taking Cora on a walk to look at fossils on the edge of the cliff where there's been an earthquake, and she's curious about what he's doing in this. What she sees as a kind of a, a backwater because he's quite an educated man, and and he's talking about how his family had wanted him to be occupy a safe seat in government um, where he may have been able to have influence arguing some minor point of law, but he feels happier here in Essex on, on the edge of the coast containing the anxiety of his parishioners. And then he has a great line. What I was looking for, what I wanted was purpose, not achievement. And perhaps that's like something I've been thinking about is like purpose is to have purpose is so restorative. It gives, it gives everything shape in your life. You know, if you have, if you feel your life has purpose and that's what Loki is wrestling with, you know, the glorious purpose that he was, he thought was kind of motivating him has been revealed to be meaningless and fraudulent and, uh, that would be ma- incredibly destabilizing to suddenly realize your life meant nothing. So uh, yeah, these are good questions to occupy me. They, they, I find them occupying anyway. I'm smiling not because I'm laughing, but because you literally nailed the part that that has been like bothering me for the last, this is just going to turn into a therapy session once. That's okay. okay. No, but yeah. it's like when you finally get all the things you thought you wanted. Yeah. You know, um, it, which which happened to me in many ways, sure. and then it turned out it it sucked, right? You know, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> so, didn't add up to it didn't add up to what you thought it was going to. Oh, up it was to. terrible. Yeah, and so like it's always like careful what you wish for, mm-hmm. sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th- I thought of that too. I thought of, um, you know, I think we all want to feel useful in our lives. We want to feel we're of use. That that there is meaning in our in every in every action, big or small, that they add up to something, you know. And so, the, and and I think that question is, it takes some answering across a lifetime. Um, 
for sure. And I've thought about it a lot. Yeah, it's funny because it's like you get everything you want and then like people were shocked at how easily I walked away from it all. Right. You know, but like I, I love that's what he does. Yeah. Like in that last scene, I, I, I was like, it sounds very silly to say I'm relating to something that, you know. No, that's like the point. Word. That's the but point. But it is, yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's why we make, and of course, it's a story set in another time, but you make stories to speak to now. Right. Otherwise, we're making this story because it's relevant now, because it resonates now. Um, it's gut wrenching stuff, and watching him watch how his life could have unfolded, mm. and I know you're just you're looking at a blank screen. Yeah, probably it like destroys. Yeah, it's I it's it was moving to do it. It was um, it felt very uh, <laughs> it felt very cathartic <laughs> um, because of course it's been a huge part of my life. It's been an enormous part of my life. Being cast as Loki changed the course of my life. Um, that moment is a fork in the road. I can't go back there and, and I don't particularly want to, but it just is, uh, you know, it's, it has been very meaningful. And to get to that point of, of, uh, playing that scene, I remember it was a Friday afternoon. It was about five o'clock. Um, and, uh, so we didn't have long, you know, you just, but I knew what it had to mean and I knew what I wanted it to express. And, um, it was very vulnerable and and open and emotional and felt very cathartic in lots of ways. And I'm going to go from from that be, before I reveal too much. Um, <laughs> that that emotional uh, uh, powder keg to something a little more light and funny. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, but that can I just one more thing on that? The reason I think that was I, mean, I just thought if you'd pre- presented me with a script where a human being gets to watch his past and also his future and the future has the same echo of familiarity as the past and the future shows the death of beloved family members and your own death which is uh deeply unpleasant and um tragic and sad and violent and destabilizing it would completely unsettle you it would be so strange and so unusual and so you wouldn't have a reference for even how to feel. And the idea that that character is Loki and it's Loki watching all these things and that the audience has actually seen, has a connection to all these memories was completely unique. I've, unlike anything I've ever done. Sorry. All right. No. Yeah. I, to, this, to the lighthearted thing. That's perfect. Okay. So I was thinking, as you know, I've often told you that Marvel films are modern day Shakespeare, big crowd pleasers yes. that are also super thoughtful, grapple with big uh, issues. Um, you're obviously an expert on both Marvel and Shakespeare. So I have a list of 10 names and I want you to tell me if they are from a Shakespeare play, okay. <laughs> okay. a Marvel comic, or in some cases, both. Okay. Okay. This is great. This is yes. great. This is great. <laughs> I love this. Um, and if I mispronounce, I'm probably going to mispronounce you all of I, these names. No, I, I believe in you, Please Janelle. Please correct I me. Believe if I, do. You. I all believe in you. I believe in you. Florizel. Shakespeare. You know the play too, don't you? Uh, as you like it. Winter's Tale. Winter's Tale. Yes. Oh, that was not part of the quiz. You're okay, good. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Balder the Brave. Uh, Marvel Comics. You know the one? Thor. Very good. Uh, Volumnia and Valeria. Coriolanus. Okay, so that yeah, was, yeah. was <laughs> giving me because I was worried about you. All right. Thank you. Ajax? Uh, Ajax is a Shakespeare. It's Troilus and Cressida. 
And it's also a Marvel comic. It's a Deadpool villain. It's a Deadpool villain. Yes. Is he in Dead? Is he in? He's in two. He's in I two. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Um, dupe. 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 Now we're getting. Now we're getting yes. hard. This is great. This is obscure. Um, I think is a Shakespeare character. It's a Marvel, Marvel character. It is an X Force. It is an openly bisexual, pansexual green blob. I doubted myself. <laughs> I should have gone with my first instinct. Uh, yeah. What about Dole? Dole is a Shakespearean character from Henry the Fourth, Part One. Damn it, um, Caliban. A Shakespearean character from The Tempest, and. <laughs> what you can't see, by the way, those listening, is that Janelle is very helpfully raising her eyebrows when I finished my yes, conclusive yes, This is great for audio. For <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and the Marvel, right? Uh, yes, it is an yes, X-Men villain. An X-Men. And Zendaya. Okay, trick question. That's just Zendaya. <laughs> <I guess> Zendaya. <laughs> uh, Zendaya no, I... is a Marvel character, a Shakespearean heroine, and an icon in her own right. Damn straight. Yeah. Uh, what about the bear? The bear is a Shakespearean character from The Winter's Tale. Very good. There we okay, go. I tried to trick you on that. It's also an Iron Man villain. Oh, yes, really? Yes, but in has it's he a been... woman. It's a shape shifting. Wow. But if it's very obscure, so uh, you actually this is such a fun game. No, in I, the high percentile. No, I was like I was like a sort of eighty five percent. The the dupe you, you threw me for a loop with dupe. <laughs> yeah. I was very proud to find dupe. Yeah. Online. And I'm sure someone listening is going to correct me that it's actually something else. Something else. But in the meantime, um, you're needed. This somewhere. was such a great Thank game. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Janelle, thank you for having me. Of course, truly. anytime. That's Tom Hiddleston, star of Loki, now streaming on Disney Plus, and The Essex Serpent, which premieres May 13 on Apple TV Plus. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. The Award Circuit Podcast is edited by Drew Griffith and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. Until next time, for Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Circuit.